0: Wollawani, welcome. My name's Egan Campbell from Palliative Care Australia. Welcome to Thursdays at Three, our weekly series of conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Exploring the culture of Australia's first people is always something we're interested in, but especially so during NAIDOC Week, the annual celebration of the culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Today, we do that through the work and wisdom of Tanya Quinn, an Aboriginal health worker in paediatric palliative care and chronic and complex needs at Sydney Children's Hospital Network. Welcome Tanya and happy NAIDOC week.
1: Thank you, Yama, to you and to everyone listening.
0: Tanya, you're a proud Gamilaroi woman from Coonabarabran who was raised on Dharawal land around Sydney. The theme of NAIDOC week this year is For Our Elders. Acknowledging the people who've paved those pathways, shared knowledge and passed down culture. I've got an impossible question for you, Tanya, but
1: great way to start.
0: (laughs) Are there there one or two elders you're thinking of during NADOC week? I imagine there's a whole group of elders that have influenced your your life and your work, but are there just one or two that you could you could tell us about?
1: Yeah, you do like hard ones, don't you? um yeah yeah i could put it down to um a two so firstly i always acknowledge uncle dave bell who's a um, elder out near Campbelltown for dural um he has been a huge influence on me since i started my journey um because i've only been on my journey for That's 17 years now. Um, So he has guided me culturally in many different ways. Um, And I believe I wouldn't be where I am today or the person I am today without him and his support, um, his stories. He does so much for the community out near Campbelltown. Um, So I in return support him where I can. Um, He's an amazing man. Again, I, I wouldn't be where I am now without him. Um, the other one more related to my work, um, is, uh, Paul Callaghan, who I do my, um, my cultural, um, debriefing with. Um, he, the support he gives me in more of a spiritual healing, traditional healing type way and my connection to spirit, um, and to our spiritual ancestors. That has helped me grow immensely within my work. Um, The period of jobs, I've been doing this job for just under four years. Next month, it'll be four years. And I believe culturally and spiritually with his support, I have grown so much then in turn to be able to, I guess, be guided by the spirits. Everything I don't do, I, I, I say that I'm a vessel, Um, I don't do what I do it's the spirits guiding me to to do what I do.
0: Tanya so many rabbit holes for us to go down in this conversation (laughs) 25 30 minutes or, or so I'm really looking forward to it but tell us a bit about your work as an Aboriginal health worker with the Sydney Children's Hospital Network what do you do?
1: So my job was actually the first of its kind in paediatrics in New South Wales four years ago. Um, so I always like to thank the ministry and PAL Care at the Sydney Children's Network for realising the need for a position like mine. Um, and I thank my spiritual ancestors for guiding me to be the person to do this job. It makes me proud and honoured every day to do what I do. I basically, in a nutshell, I guess, is I support um, all our palliative care patients. I also do chronic and complex as well, but I'll sort of keep it down the, the palliative care line. Um, I support the patient and their family in any way needed. So cultural is the overboard sort of umbrella, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it might be attending MDTs, which can be quite complex, as you would guess, with with the palliative care conversations, Um it could be transport and things like that. It could be simple as meal vouchers. Um, a big thing I do is just having a yarn um, with the parents and all the patients because the patients can be sort of from a, a day old through to, to some 18. I've, done, I've had a 19-year-old. Um, so it might be just yarning with all them separate or together, sometimes those difficult conversations, um, and sometimes just general yarning just about being yeah. – Um, I think a lot of them struggle too because we have a network and we have um, patients that come from all over New South Wales. Um, Therefore, a lot of them are off country. So for them to be able to sit down and have a yarn with me is some connection then for them to have.
0: Tanya, you come to this work with your own personal story. Tell us about the journey of of you and your your daughter and, and, and her experience.
1: Yep. so when my daughter's now 32, so when she was 13, she was diagnosed with leukaemia, which generally I was told one of the the better cancers to get, um, (laughs) if that's ever a thing. Um, But um, unfortunately, three weeks into treatment, she had major adverse reactions and um, ended up in ICU. Came out of that a couple of days later um, and then another month after that um, ended up back there again um, and we nearly lost her. She was up there for about a week um, on life support, just wanted to rest, didn't want to wake up. Um, so it was pretty horrific at the time. She then had to be given a whole new treatment plan because those drugs that, at that time, it looked, ends up that she was um, had reactions to those. So she had to learn to walk again, talk again, eat again, so everything shut down in her body, bar her heart. heart. Um, so she had a long recovery. Um, it was two years of treatment, very intense. We spent one period here of four months straight. Um, she didn't leave the room for four months. So I get what it's like to be here. Um, she has a lot of after effects from it. So she still struggles to this day. Um, but that has given me a huge, you know, I am still, you know, one of the lucky ones, Um that, that she survived, um, but we always said that um, we would give back somehow. We just, well, she knew how. She's now a nurse here as well at Westmead wow. Kids. So she gets to give back that way, but I wasn't sure how I would give back. Um, and, again, I, I believe the spirit sort of led me on a path to to what I'm doing now. So
0: You've perhaps answered this next question already, but I'm keen to tease it out a little bit more. Um yep. What did that experience, I guess, facing death bring to the lives that you and your daughter have led since then?
1: Uh, I think culturally and spiritually it, um, it opened up that area. Like, um, you know, I, I've never been a religious person. That's just mm-hmm. me. Um, but after all this, my connection to spirit, I knew there was always a connection there to spirit, but I wasn't, sure what it was or how to articulate it Um, and then after that between that and then um, meeting Uncle Dave um, slowly brought the two together together that made me then be able to articulate it to myself let alone to anyone else Um, you know because I I do have a spiritual connection where I can hear spirits and I can feel them and things like Mm -hmm. that so to be able to sort of Put a name to it as such, um, yeah, made life easier.
0: Yeah. I and it perhaps goes back to a comment you made at the very start of our conversation about your your spiritual journey starting 17 years ago, I think you said. What was it that started that journey?
1: No, that was my cultural journey. Your cultural um, journey. So unfortunately I wasn't um known i didn't know that i identified aboriginal all my mm-hmm. life yep. um, so it wasn't until a couple of my cousins and i sort of did the family tree we had some idea um, and my uncles and aunties had said some things but it wasn't until we sit down sat down and did the family tree properly um, that we realized and that's when i was able to start that journey i'd already met uncle dave but i was able to start that journey properly with him
0: you're not alone in that sort of experience, sort of no. discovering later on in in life that, that you've you've got Aboriginal history, Aboriginal culture yeah. in your family. What did it mean for you at that time? I imagine it perhaps filled in some gaps, answered some some questions that have always niggled, niggled at you.
1: Hundred percent, and you don't even know that the questions are actually there. You just feel something, um, mm-hmm. and there's actually a country song. Um, I don't always forget what it's called, but in it it says. I didn't know I was lost till I was found. Yes. And I always tell people that because that's exactly how I felt. And ever since I've been able to to definitely go, yes, I am, and to let that because um, Aboriginal people often feel things. So we feel it in our gut um, mm-hmm. because your head seems to misguide you, your heart misguides you, but your gut never does. Yeah, um, And then when I was able to just like I say, articulate that to myself, then I knew what this thing was rumbling in my gut all those years. I think my spirit was out of whack and it was blocked. Um, And so it wasn't until I had that information and then when I had to go my first smoking, it just released it. It's just grown ever since.
0: Give us a sense of that family tree. Where does your Aboriginal connection come from?
1: So I personally believe it's on both my grandparents' side, but I haven't had a chance to follow my grandmother's side properly. So mm-hmm. it, at this stage, it's my mum's dad's dad's dad um, was actually Chinese and his wife was Aboriginal. So we're actually mm-hmm. of Aboriginal and Chinese descent because in the early 1900s when World War One was on, there was actually a lot of Chinese that came over to help the women on the land while our men were at war. So where you'll find, especially around Gilmoree and Waradjie, there are a lot of um, Chinese names of Aboriginal people.
0: And your history, your connection with Aboriginal culture, when you were a child growing up, it it, it just wasn't discussed as a no within none, the family.
1: None, no. Um, unfortunately, I was brought up amongst a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I very quickly had to change my thoughts and ways of how I was brought up because they were all so wrong. So, wow, so wrong. yeah. yeah. Um, and I've had not so much now, but when I first found out I had many a conversation with the spirits at home, just apologizing for for things that I'd said and in, in the past that I didn't know mm. better. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, okay emotional. <laughs>
0: No, I don't apologise for showing emotion, Tanya. I can, I can see that, you know, you're still on this journey. Um, we're yeah. all still on a journey discovering ourselves and discovering the world around us in, in many ways,
1: yeah, our life's a journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Tanya, I'm keen to better understand your, your spiritual connection. You've explained the discovery of your cultural connection. But as you've said, spirit and culture are so intertwined for, for Aboriginal people. How did you discover your, your spiritual connection? Help us understand that.
1: Um, it, you don't discover it. It discovers you, I think. <laughs> um, the the spirits will, will guide me to do things, and I think it's not until after the actual whatever it may happen that you go, okay. Like people often call it coincidences. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's coincidences. I think we've been guided to do what we do. I remember when I first started this job, I said, oh, it's the best job i've ever had in my life and i said to someone i wish i had it you know 20 years ago even and i thought well no you weren't meant to have it 20 years ago you were meant to do your other jobs first to evolve to this um things like i will go on there's a couple of wards here in particular where i will feel the spirits very very strongly um And I'll just sort of, you know, in my head sort of thing, just yarn with them. Um, Sometimes I might feel like it's some of the kids maybe who are having a bit of trouble transitioning who have already gone to spirit. Um, I heard someone yell out to me in the corridor and I've turned around and there's no one there. You know, things like that where, um, but it's not like, you know, I'm not like a medium or something like that. Um, It's just stuff that I feel and do connected with this job
0: Um, are they the spirits of of aboriginal people or are they the spirits of of anyone uh,
1: i would say both Mm -hmm. i think the ones i feel here are probably just anyone because i don't know in particular who they are and they it's not as if they sort of told me oh you know i'm high I'm Julie, I, I, you know, went to spirit two years ago or anything like that. I can just feel them. It's not, they don't want it. I don't think they want anything in particular from me. Otherwise they probably would try and talk to me. Um, and then it's more about like, I concentrate more then on the the patient that I might have um, because I do the sudden end of life here as well as the palliative care as well at Westmead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might yarn with that child patient um, after they've, Gone to spirit because um, I can feel now whether they're still with us or whether they've already gone so sometimes I might tell them that it's okay for them to go that you know mummy mm-hmm. and daddy will be all right or something like that and then I can feel them feel them go
0: Tanya each culture is different in the way that they look at death and dying or or not look at death and dying when it comes yeah. to, to some cultures as a Gamilaroi woman woman what do you believe about death and dying, or what have you learnt about the Gamilaroi approach to, to death and dying?
1: I haven't had a lot of mentoring in that area, unfortunately. Um, it's something I would like to grow more with. But in saying that as well, even though you might be um, from a mob, like Gamilaroi mob, you still have your own personal sort of attachment and beliefs yeah. as well. Um, I think especially now because um, we're not as traditional now with the modern ways um, and I try, I like to, especially with like Aboriginal um, healing and medicines and stuff, um, I think there's a real connection for both with modern medicine as well as traditional healing and medicine. So I try to, my cultural mentor has um guided me I guess in the way of we can do uh, a smoking ceremony which can help for the, the spirit to transition to the next part of their journey um, mm-hmm. but indoors we can also to, do what we call a brushing ceremony so I've been I was given permission a couple of years ago now to do that as part of my here with the kids so I've done that a few times. and But what that does, it's not just to transition to them to spirit. It's just to align their spirit back whole or to unblock so that then our spiritual ancestors can guide them on their journey. So whether it's that they end up okay and, and get better or whether they transition to spirit. So, again, that's where I'm just the vessel. Um, yeah. And then, it, yeah, they take it from there.
0: And, Tanya, the way you talk about, spirits and and death makes it feel like there's a there's a life or there's a purpose after someone dies the way you talk about your your spirits they're alive they're serving a purpose it seems
1: yeah we believe that um or i believe it. our my culture the way i've been taught is that um it's all part of our journey so life death and then we believe we come back again so, And it's not always as a human being again. Um, you'll go and have a yarn to the ancestors' spirits um, and decide what you might come back as. Um, and they'll decide in the end. So it could be a tree, it could be an animal, it could be the river, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we don't believe there's a start and a finish. It just continues on. And because we're part of Mother Earth and Father Sky, so traditionally when we were, because we we're all buried, there was no cremations traditionally, um, we're 80% water. So once our, our body goes into the soil, that part of our um, body, the water goes into the oceans and the rivers, and our body degrades into the to Mother Earth, and then the animals will come along and eat that dirt and things like that. So it's just one big cycle of, of Mother Earth. So she rules everyone.
0: Is that where the importance of being on country comes from? Yes. You mentioned before that you spend a lot of time with people at, at Sydney Children's who aren't on country, that they, they come come to the city for, for treatment. Help us understand better the importance of being on country to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
1: Yeah, so it varies for everyone differently. And it depends like the time factor, I mean, um, how often you need to go back on country. So it will depend on what's happening in your life, you know, health problems, mental illnesses, and just mental health in general, day-to-day stuff, especially with this day and age, so busy with things happening and everything. Um, So what happens pretty much is your spirit will, again, not line up or be blocked or whatever. Um, So your body, you'll know when you need to go back on country. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go back, shoes off, walk around the ground, you know, the dirt, the the grass whatever the case may be spend some time there um, and then that will help line everything up again one to then especially for the parents for them to come back and be fresh again refueled as such Um, and for the patient it's a combination of that and part of their healing if your spirit's out of whack then you can't heal Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I spend have a lot of conversations explaining to to different teams, the importance of that, that you know, because I'll say that I'm trying to get them home to country, and I go, yeah, we know that's important for them to go home. And I go, no, no, it's not going home as such. It's not a house. It's going back on country so that they can line up. Um, you know, I'm lucky. I've been raised mainly on dural land that I can go out to. I go out to the national park and go for a run, but that still will only refuel me 95. Yeah, I have to go back to Cooner or the Warren Bungles to be filled. To feel fully refueled, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. Tanya, how do you go? I guess explaining this or giving a priority to this within a bureaucracy, within <laughs> uh, um, I guess the field of medicine, which is very scientific based. How do you go about helping medical practitioners, bureaucracy, understand the importance of of spirituality of of some of these? softer things that, that that come through you and your culture. Have you had to fight for that?
1: Um, not so much the spiritual side or the going home to country. Once I fully explain it, people seem to understand it. My, my main struggle is that people aren't taught to practice under a trauma-informed halo. Um, so they do not understand trauma let alone intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, our mob experienced so much trauma over the last 200 years that it, it does, it goes down in generations because that's, mm-hmm. that's just what, how, what has happened with the whole colonisation and everything like that. And, and I, I find I'm advocating not even just for Aboriginal people but for disadvantaged groups as well. Let's sit down and have a yarn. Like, it's not hard to have a yarn. doesn't matter whether it's a child or an adult. Yeah. If you have a yarn and find out a little bit about them, get to know mm-hmm. them, it can make your job so much easier. So much walk,
0: easier. Walk in their shoes, in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just don't assume. Don't assume anything. You know, mm-hmm. I know we all do at times. You can never say you're 100% perfect. Yes. Yes. Um, because I think, unfortunately, it's a human trait um but you know be conscious of it and you know and if you haven't got the time to do it talk to their nurse who's got them for 12 hours or you know aboriginal children talk to their aboriginal health worker or you know if it's someone who's got a complex social history talk to their social worker like it's really not hard communication can make life a lot easier for everyone
0: tanya the sort of work you've been telling us about comes with an emotional load you know pediatric palliative care comes with an emotional load and I can I can only imagine that 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 that's a weight on your heart and your soul at times as, as, as well how do you manage that how do you look after yourself so that you can care for others
1: a couple of different ways I think like I say I've got a cultural mentor that I talk to about every two months um but I can ring him at a drop of a hat if I've had a, a sudden trauma or a hard one, as I call them, harder than normal. Um, I do clinical debriefing once a month um, with a lady who is just amazing and she gets intergenerational trauma. She gets social complexities. So I can yarn with her about anything. Um, again, I can call her at the drop of a hat um, to have a, a one-on-one with her. Um every time i have a patient go to spirit i light a candle i go home and light a candle it's something that i've always done ever since my daughter was sick because we lost six really close friends back then that or i call them friends because we made friends in the hospital mm-hmm. um so i have ever since then i i light a candle and i still do that um I'm also an Aboriginal artist, so I do a lot of painting and that is another area where I've grown. I look back at my paintings four or five years ago and I go, oh, my God, they're crap. (laughs) Um, Whereas now, yeah, there's so much more meaning in them. Um, I can't just sit down and do one again. I'm guided to do those. Um, So I do that. I run in the bush wherever I can. I haven't done that for a few months, so I can feel the need (laughs) definitely coming on. Um, So I, I do a few things. Few things.
0: It, Tanya, just finally, um, give us a postcard from your country, Gamilaraay country, around Coonabarabran in southwestern New South Wales. What are some special spots, some some special places you'd point us to? Tell us about Gamilaraay country.
1: Bush, lots of bush. I love my bush. Um, Warren Bungles, which is um, the mountain range through there, and it's Coonabarabran is actually the um, I'm not sure of the right wording, but it's the clearest spot. I I know in Australia, but I think it's in the Southern Hemisphere where you can see all the stars. Yes. Um, They've actually got a couple of the stargazing places up there. Yes. Um, So whenever I go there, I sit out the back of the, wherever I'm staying, the motel or whatever, and just sit there and just look at the stars. And you can actually see, it's a bit like, you know, some people look at the clouds and make pictures out of the clouds and, that's I see a lot of spirits in the clouds. So in the stars, it's the same. I can see things in the stars, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just so peaceful and just bush. I just bush and you know rivers and yeah, bit dry out there, but <laughs> it's lovely.
0: I hope it's not too much longer before you're back out there, Tanya, and recharging your soul, recharging those batteries. Thank you when so it much. it warms
1: your... up a bit, too cold yeah.
0: now. It's <laughs> frosty <laughs> <Thank you laughs> out there at the moment.
1: I skip winter.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and your work, Tanya. Great to talk to you today. Thanks for sharing the way you have. Thank you.
1: My honour and my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Tanya Quinn there, an Aboriginal health worker in paediatric palliative care and chronic and complex needs at the Sydney Children's Hospital Network. And thank you to you for tuning in to Thursdays at 3, whether that's via PCA socials or Spotify and engaging in matters of life and death you'll find advice tools and support at the palliative care australia website where you can also make a donation to support our work thanks again for tuning in we'll talk again next thursday